I am the genie of the podcast, and you get one wish. Oh, that's an easy one. I wish their Discord server was free to join. Wish granted. That's right. You guys and gals asked for it, and we did it. Our Discord server is now free to join. That's right. You get to come be a part of the best gaming community out there. You'll find the link in the episode description and over on our website at multiplayerpodcast.com. Now, I know what you're thinking. We do definitely still need your support. All right. So if you love the podcast, if you love what we're doing and you are just thinking to yourself, this is awesome. I really want to support these guys. Head over to MultiplayerSquad.com. That's where you can help support the show. You do get some awesome perks, but more importantly, you get our eternal gratitude. All right. Now enjoy the episode and we'll see you on our Discord server. Hello, and welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. Come on in, pull up a chair to the dad's table, where we're going to spend the next hour having a family-friendly conversation about gaming. Make sure to subscribe to the pod, rate us five stars, and leave a review. Today is a deep dive episode where we are going to spend the entire hour breaking down one game, and today that game is Resident Evil Village. I am your host, Paul, and with me... He's the fifth lord of Mother Miranda's theme park of horror. It's Josh. I am the king of the trolls. I, I feel like that would be my <laughs> that would, be, that would be my gist. Is it's just like a bunch of bridges, a bunch of trolls. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like it just spins you around. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you just get frustrated, and then you're like, "Dude, this level sucks." <laughs> I can totally picture it. I feel like you would fit right into that. Yep. Or like on Game of Thrones, you'd be the master of trolling. Yeah, that would exactly. Definitely be your title. Also, I like your reference to the dad's table because, you know, when you're younger, like you you can't wait till you have like the seat at the dad's table, you know, or right, like standing right, right, around right, right, right. the grill with the with the dads and stuff like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, now that now that we're older and much less cool, I'm sure like we get to pretend like, you know, like the dad's stuff is really cool. And that's what everybody wants. Right. Yeah, everyone knows the dad table is the coolest. Yeah. Plus, we get the you big get piece of jokes. chicken, too. I mean, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's left to want? All right. So, before jumping into our regularly scheduled content, we do have a new Patreon supporter to welcome. And that is a person by the name of NWC Zenu, who has definitely been one of our more active Discord users. He, he uh, hey man, it's I, I got to give Zenu credit. He he came on the Discord. It was one of those like, hey, I heard this was free. Now he jumped in. He absolutely loved it, and he was like, dude, this is great. I'm gonna sign up because like I I want to support you guys. Like he's like, I love the Discord. I want some of the extra privileges. Maybe just to lord it over some of the free people. Who knows? You know, and that's <laughs> right. fine. I'm okay with that. You know, but uh, yeah, he uh, he did sign up, and we. We appreciate it. And, you know, we made sure that he knew he was getting a shout out. And hey, if you want to hear your name on the show, you can get a shout out too. <laughs> Absolutely. And Zenu is definitely an OG of the podcast because he said he's been listening since our GTFO episode. Yeah. Which is actually our second episode. Yes. <laughs> so that's going back a long time. We actually had a good conversation about some of our older, uh, like, original episodes. And yes, he is one of the OGs because he knew about those. So we had some laughs about how the <laughs> our initial episodes maybe weren't as good as, you know, the the, the high-quality standards that we have now. Let's just say that. 
Yeah, you know, it, it takes time, right? <laughs> so for those of you listening, if you want to come join us on Discord, it's completely free. You can check out the description. Sorry, you can check out the link in the episode description. And then also, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can head over to MultiplayerSquad.com, where you can help support the show starting at $5 a month, and that helps us keep this podcast running for the foreseeable future. And then, Josh, I understand you've got a couple of reviews that you're going to read for the show? I do. It's been a little while since we've actually read some of the reviews for the show, too. So I thought this would be a good time, because we've gotten a lot of them lately. Uh, I mean, it's it's really nice to see people leaving these. Um, but one thing, I, I don't know why, man. It's like, I love seeing reviews from other countries. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, we're, it's just, it, it lets us know that, like, we're out there in the world, right? Like not just in our own little country or something like that. So actually I pulled two that are from other countries as well. So first one is titled always a pleasure to listen. And uh, this comes in from monster energy one. And uh, they say most podcasts lose my attention after just a few episodes, but with these guys, my time is very well spent enjoying listening and learning about games that I would otherwise not have even thought of trying. Thank you guys. Keep up the amazing work. And he is from great Britain. So, Ooh, yeah. So thank you for that one. Monster energy. Um, I also love monster energy drinks. Um, I'm assuming that's where that comes from, but I don't drink those anymore (laughs) because I'm getting too old for that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> no caffeine after 4 p.m. for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. And then this next one comes in from D Pong. Uh, and D Pong is from Belgium. So oh, how about wow. Okay. That? Yeah, I think this is our first review from Belgium. Um, and it is titled Exactly What I Was Looking For. Uh, and D Pong says, great podcast. I've been listening to a Belgian gaming podcast for years. I really like the format, but they are only uploading one episode a month. So finding Ooh. you guys a few months ago was like discovering a gold mine. New stories and gaming info weekly. That's how it should be done. Keep up the good work and thank you. P.S. Arc survival, maybe? Oh, okay. Oh, uh, That's an a good suggestion. There, you know, so. Yes, I, I just I don't know why. Like I said, I love seeing these uh, reviews from other countries come in. It's uh, it's always nice to know that uh, we're we're reaching the world, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going worldwide. <laughs> All right, now I know we have a lot to talk about here today, so let's hit the audio track and get into it. All right, here's the description of the game on Wikipedia. I pulled this one from Wikipedia because the Steam description I didn't think was very good. Resident Evil Village is a survival horror game developed and published by Capcom. A major installment in the Resident Evil series and a narrative sequel to 2017's Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, the game follows Ethan Winters, who after a fateful encounter with Chris Redfield, finds himself in a village filled with mutant creatures in an effort to find his kidnapped daughter. While Village maintains the series' mainstay survival horror elements, the game adopts a more action-oriented gameplay style compared to its predecessor. So I think a key thing in that description is the fact that Village ties back directly as a sequel to Resident Evil 7. Yeah, it does. And I played Resident Evil 7, but as I am wont to do at times, I never finished it. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, I have game ADD, Paul. Don't pick on me. It's a mm-hmm. condition. All right. Um, but so I did not remember a whole lot about Resident Evil 7 other than the creepy house with the hillbilly scary people in it. Um, but what's awesome about Village is when you start, when you first start off with Village, it actually says like, Hey, do you remember the story? Would you like to go back and remember? And when you click yes, it actually takes you back to some of the gameplay highlights from Resident Evil 7 to catch you up, which I thought like, dude, this is a great thing that they did because I didn't remember a lot of the story, you know? And so it was really nice to kind of just get that little, it was probably like a 60 second video. It wasn't a whole lot, but it was just enough to say, hey, you don't really need to know much more than this to be able to play Village and just jump right in. Yeah, I think the best game to compare it to would be Red Dead Redemption 2. Can you play Red Dead 2 without ever playing Red Dead 1? Of course. But if you remember what happened in Red Dead 1, it makes it a more enriching experience because both games inform one another. And this game does exactly that. If you remember the events of Resident Evil 7, you will enjoy 8 more because it will provide more context you read a lot of journal entries that better explain what happened, not just in 7, but even the entire Resident Evil universe. So this one definitely, it, that kind of surprised me. I thought it would be a little bit more of a standalone game, but this one is absolutely a direct sequel. And the video was nice because, like you, I played it four years ago. I didn't remember anything. I remembered something about mold and hillbillies, and that was literally it. Honestly, the 60-second video, I don't know that it really helped all that much. Like, it kind of just confused me. Like, I had more questions. So, you might be better off watching a more detailed recap on YouTube or something. But it is nice that they hit you with it right off the bat. Yeah, it, it was. It's it's a nice start to the game. It did make me realize that I did not see parts of Resident Evil 7 that I probably should have seen. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember this happening at all. <laughs> So there's a really important question here as we jump into the content. How spoilery do we want to get? Because we have not really talked about oh, this yet. Oh, man. How much do we want to divulge? How much are we going to hold back? I feel like to talk about this game, we have to get mildly spoilery. Like, nothing story, like no plot reveals or anything like that. But I think we have to talk about some of the levels some of the characters, some of like what makes it scary. You know what I mean? Uh So it's like, I don't know if we want to preface it by saying, Hey, we will talk about different parts of the game and different levels in the game, which I I personally only view as like a two out of 10 on a spoiler level. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah. I, I, I think that's fair to say we're definitely, we're definitely not going to spoil anything in the end. We're not going to spoil where the story goes, or if there are any twists or turns, we wouldn't divulge that. We might share a little bit about just the structure of the game. Like, we might explain that there's a certain number of areas that you have to go to, and then each one has a slightly different mechanic. But I I think, like you said, we'll keep the spoilers really, really minimal. And the only spoilers we're going to have story-wise is just going to be stuff that happens in the opening cutscenes. Honestly, it's stuff that we already read in the description. We might just talk about that a little bit more. Right. I, I mean, I do want to talk about one of the areas, you know, so it, it's like, because that part, 
we got to talk about, you know, but that's, that's not really a spoiler. You know, it's just like a different level in the game. It's like saying, hey, you know, if we're going to talk about Mario World, we're going to talk about World like 8-1, you know, and you might not know what 8-1 is if you've never made it there, but that's not a spoiler to talk about a level that's further in a game, is it? Like, it's not... I don't think so. Yeah. As long as we're, yeah, not divulging major. Yeah, we're not going to like let on that the princess is in another castle. Oh <laughs> man, dang it! Sorry, guys. <laughs> so once you are done watching the sixty-second recap video of Resident Evil Seven, the game has this really beautiful opening cutscene that I didn't really expect. Where all of a sudden you see a book open, and it's called Village of Shadows. And it tells this like two to three minute fable that really looks fantastic. It looks straight out of a Tim Burton movie. Or like Hellboy 2. Or <laughs> Hellboy 2. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it's this like really creepy story about a girl who wanders away from her mom in the forest. But then it like takes this really weird dark turn where the girl's thirsty, so a bat bites its own wing and she drinks from its blood and then she's hungry. So a fish gives her one of its fins and basically like any good fable, you know, there's like a life lesson. So she starts like taking more and being greedy. So then a witch shows up and casts her to be stuck inside a mirror. And then the camera zooms out and it's your wife reading this story to your six-month-old daughter. I was going to say, that kid's going to have some serious issues later on in life, Paul. <laughs> it's like I couldn't believe it. It was a great story. It really was. Like like you said, it was yeah. very well done. It was like a like you said, like a Tim Burton movie. I was instantly like, hey, this is pretty cool. I don't know what this has to do with the game yet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying this. And then you're right. It's like, this is the story that you're reading to your baby daughter. And I was just like... <laughs> I don't know about that. Like if you maybe she's too young to know, but like these are not things you teach your kids if you want to sleep that night because they're going to be up all night with nightmares. Yeah. But I love that Ethan, your character does address that. He's like, "Honey, the story's wild. Why are you reading this to our baby?" But, you know, so she says it's tradition or what, you know, whatever. But yeah, I did think it was super funny, but I thought that it perfectly set the mood for the whole game because the whole game is creepy, but beautiful and atmospheric. And it really, it, it, to my surprise, it got me pumped up to actually play the game yeah. because I was already excited to play it. But for that to be the first thing you experience, I thought was actually really neat. So, yeah, basically, there are some shocking events that we won't go into the details. However, like the description said, basically, you wake up after an auto accident. You realize that your daughter has been kidnapped. And so you're completely alone and you start walking down toward a village that you see below you. And this is where you're going to spend the entire rest of the game and if you played the demo that came out right before release, this is where you got to explore the castle just a little bit. But you have this outlying village. And Josh, I'll just toss this to you for, for a moment here. What are you doing once you actually start the game? Because prior to this, it's basically all cutscenes. Now that you're in control of Ethan, what's the game like once you're here in the village? Yeah, it's a lot of like exploring the village. Um, and, and I'll say this, man. This game blew me away from a graphic standpoint. Like, I can't 
think of a game, honestly, that rivaled this game in graphical quality in a while. Like, it's, I mean, I have a really good graphics card. I have a really good monitor. You know, I was able to play this in like HDR 4K, and it was absolutely incredible. So that was like my very first like wow moment was just when they put you in the village and you can start exploring. It was just like the attention to detail on everything was just off the charts. So kudos to them for making an absolutely incredible looking game. Um, You know, the village is interesting because you don't know what's there. You don't really know. I mean, you're there to try to like find your daughter, but you really are from a standpoint of you don't know what's going on. And so you're looking around this village, and of course, there's no people around. You know, these houses are empty. You're trying to figure out, like, what the heck is going on? But then there's just these little glimpses of, like, a sound over there. Something, wait, what was that that moved over there? Like, did I just hear something on the roof? Like, whoa, wait, there was a horse carcass right there, and now that horse carcass is gone. Like, what's going on? And they do a very good job of, like, just teasing like setting the mood, so to speak, in the very beginning. Oh, absolutely. And you start to see blood kind of just everywhere. Like you can tell someone must have died here. Maybe a, a body was dragged, whatever it might be. So it's an, an incredibly creepy atmosphere. And then you start fighting these creatures that are called lichens. And you can tell maybe they're like transformed people. Maybe they're some kind of weird werewolf creature, some kind of mutant or whatever it might be. And in every good Resident Evil game, they are not difficult to kill, but you have such limited ammunition that a lot of this game in the beginning is not just straight up fighting. It's a lot of searching, trying to find your daughter, trying to find clues. You're not necessarily killing all of the lichen that you run across you might shoot them once to stun them and then run past. And a lot of times when you duck into a building, you can actually move and drag like a bookcase to keep them out. And so there's definitely more of a survival element in the beginning as opposed to action. Yeah, they do a very good job of setting the tone of the game kind of right away. You know, and, and I thought that was really neat because it's like, oh, okay, this is like a horror survival game. We can talk about the survival elements, you know, a little later, I guess. But, you know, it's it's one of those... It is very... You do get the sense that this game is going to have a lot more action than some other Resident Evil games. Um, mm-hmm. And they do a good job of, like, slowly introducing what's going on. And like you said, you know, eventually a lichen comes out and you do have to fight it. And that's when you're kind of going like, okay... This village is overrun with monsters. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. But man, did I pick the wrong village to to be in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Like if my kid's going to get kidnapped, this is not the village that I want my kid to get kidnapped in. Yeah, exactly. Like why couldn't this happen near Cleveland or right. something? Why does it have to be this village? Yeah, with all the gothic architecture oh, and man. filled with mutants. Uh, Yeah, there's also a lot of puzzle elements, so there's a lot of areas that you can't necessarily reach. However, as you play Village, you continually come back to the village at large, and so new areas get unlocked. There's lots of things to discover. There are sometimes things that you cannot use or move until you get the right tool or the right gear. Um, I don't know what happened in my playthrough, Josh. I was pretty good at checking almost every corner. Somehow I never got 
the wheel. So the whole game's filled with like these wells where you can turn you a never, wheel. You and never got out. the wheel? Never got it. Oh, I never found it. You don't get it till later. That's the thing. Like you don't get it until later on in the game. Like I'd say halfway through to maybe even like two thirds of the way through the game before you get that stupid okay. wheel for the well. <laughs> Dude, I found so many wells that are like, this is missing a piece. And I'm like, I don't have the piece. Yeah. I wish I did. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow I, I couldn't access any of the wells. You didn't I don't know much, how I missed it. To be honest. It, 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 but that was one of the things that I kind of forgot about the Resident Evil series is that they do like their puzzle lights. You know, like yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. not really puzzles. These are not brain benders. These are not anything that's even remotely difficult to do, but it's just enough to kind of give a, give a taste in the game. To, it, it adds a certain element. I, I don't know that it's like a great element, but it, I don't think it would feel like a Resident Evil if it didn't have those elements to it. So I do, yeah, I do enjoy like, them because it's that like reward of like, Oh, I found the wheel. You know, sorry you yeah. missed that reward, Paul. But <laughs> <laughs> well, let me give you a perfect example. Like, one guy's got a combination lock on a cabinet, and it's like, oh, how am I going to find this six-digit code to get in? Well, it's written right next to the safe, look out the window, and if you look out the window, you see all these numbers that are very obvious, 07, 04, something else, and so, like... The puzzles are kind of like that. If you tend to need a code, it's going to be in the same building or you just have to look for 10 seconds. There's not a whole lot of difficult puzzles, but I do appreciate that it's in there. I was going to say, it's one of those things I do like that it's in the game. I almost feel like they dumb it down a little too much, though. Like, I don't know if they just think people are dumb or they really <laughs> just don't want the puzzles to be a focus, you know? Like, I, yeah. you know, one of the things that the game does is they highlight everything with yellow tape, you know? So it's oh, like, yeah, if it's yeah, important, yeah. The boxes, it'll the be highlighted with yeah. yellow tape. So it looks like it's part of the environment instead of like a big red arrow pointing to like this thing that you need to notice. It'll have like yellow duct tape on it. And so it's pretty hard to miss. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like... I get the whole, like, I don't want to just wander around and be completely lost and not have any clue what I'm supposed to be looking for. But at the same time, like, man, you must think I'm dumb to really feel the need to to spell out this combination for me, you know, at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Or, yeah, I, 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 I don't think this really counts as a spoiler, but I remember in another room, there's another combination you need, and it literally says, like, the five-year anniversary of my daughter, oh. and then there's just a calendar... <laughs> That has a giant circle around <laughs> no. it with the six digit code. And I'm like, come on, the guys, let just make me search. Is the whole house is <laughs> ransacked and, and run down and everything is brown. It's her birthday. Yeah. And then yeah, on yeah, the yeah. wall is this super colorful, like crayon <laughs> picture with, with the date of her birthday on it. And it just so yeah. happens it's six digits. And it's like, it doesn't fit into the house at all you know it's like they could not have made this thing stand out more if they had put a neon sign around it and made it light up and blink to grab your attention and it's like i yeah. mean and you know what's it's just i don't know like i get it. it it's nice that it's in the game personally i think they could have tweaked the the puzzle difficulty just a just little a yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah make me find the code like in the next building over for you know maybe on a body and you can read through a journal entry or something yeah. i don't know yeah i mean it's not it's not bad it, it just is rather simplistic 
All right, so without getting bogged down into details of the story, basically you learn that there are basically four different parts of the village that are run by four different lords, hence Josh being the fifth in the intro. (laughs) And all of these lords serve underneath Mother Miranda. And you read a lot about her, you run into journals that tell you about her, and basically you just have to go to each section that the lord is over in order to do some objectives. And so this is kind of the structure of the middle of the game is these four areas. To give you a very brief rundown, you have Castle Dimitrescu, which is run by the giant vampire woman, Alcina, who you have probably seen. She's very hard to miss. And if you're curious, yes, you do find out why she is so big, as long as you read all the journal entries. There is Beneviento Manor, which is the one that has lots of dolls. Because if you're going to make a creepy game, you're going to have a room filled with dolls. There is Salvatore Moreau's Lab, which is run by this really hideous hunchback creature. And then you have Heisenberg's Factory, which OSHA would say is the scariest part of the game. Because this factory's got saw blades that are going this over is... the walkways that you got to duck and dodge between. Yeah, that's, that factory is, uh, is not safe. No. No, it it has it is zero days since the last incident at this factory. <laughs> All right, so out of those four areas, Josh, are there any that stand out in particular? Any that have like memorable moments or oh. memorable mechanics that you want to talk about? All right, so first we have to talk about Castle Demetresk, right? Th- that's the one that everybody sees in the demo. This is the giant ten yeah. foot tall vampire lady that the that broke the internet. The you know this is what they really kind of showcased in the demo and in a lot of the gameplay footage. So the castle is the or the first one that you go to, right? And so it's it's very early on in the game. The vampires that are there are they have you know personality and interacting with Lady Demetresque is you know pretty cool and you know i think the castle served as a good like lead up into the rest of the game mm-hmm. but then at the same time each zone is just different enough from the other ones that each one feels unique which i really really liked because it was not just a rehash of like here's this castle with these vampire ladies now here's this giant house with werewolf guys you know or something like that like i they, the the zones actually felt different enough that I thought that they did a good job of making the game feel like it was broken up into unique areas. So you ask me which one stands out. I'm going to tell you right now that what is it? Benevito? What's the Benevito house? Beneviento man. Beneviento Uh, man. That that has to be the one that's most memorable. I'm telling you when they talk about survival horror game, right? I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Resident Evil, it's got zombies and you know, big scary guy chasing you like, yeah, okay, whatever. Dude, nothing in horror is creepier than a house full of baby dolls. Yes. So, they play on that baby doll theme so bad. These are the creepiest freaking little dolls man and they're they don't move they're just staring at you and you just keep waiting you just keep waiting the yeah. whole time you're like i know one of these dolls is gonna try to murder me it's Chekhov's gun right you see it in the first act it's gonna fire in the third you're just on high alert which of these is chucky which one is gonna come out and get me yes exactly and that stupid level man I- i'm telling you i i played that level 
at night with no lights on. Like I have like the cool, like, you know, <laughs> hue lights that are all the different colors in my office and stuff like that. I had all the lights off. I had my headphones on and it just so happened that this was the part of the game that I happened to be playing at the time. And that level freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. That one, that one got me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's by far the creepiest part of the whole game. And if you want to talk about the creepiness factor, that one section nails it. Like, we played a lot of Phasmophobia, and I always kind of poked fun at it. I never found it to be scary. I found it to be slow-paced and a little creepy. But this game really does a great job where the lights feed into the atmosphere, the dolls are around you, you end up having this encounter with what I wrote down in my notes while playing I wrote down creepiest monster ever yes. because I thought it was the creepiest thing I've ever had to face in a video game. And let's just we, say we have to do spoiler right here, Paul. I, I, okay, I, I have to be able to talk about monster. this stupid thing, man. I, I can't okay. like, I can't hint around it. So spoiler alert. If you don't want to know what this monster is that we're talking about, skip ahead like two minutes. Okay. Because sure. if you, if you don't mind a my it's a mild spoiler. It doesn't ruin the story in any fashion. You know, as far as that goes. But here's your warning. Okay. Dada. 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 Dude, so this part, look, I freaked my dogs out by doing that, right? So this part, it's like this stupid doll lab factory house thing that this lady is making all these dolls. So that's creepy enough, but at least the lights are on. And it's like, I could swear that level, like it was quieter than all the other levels. So like they really nailed the atmosphere at one part. You finally are, you're exploring around and you're like, dude, this house sucks. This place is creepy. I hate these dolls. And then you come back up and all the lights are off and there's just this red glowing light. And then you're just like, Oh heck no, man. Like, no, (laughs) no, no, I'm not doing it. Get me Uh -uh. out of here. Open the door. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not doing it. I'm out. I'm getting out of here. I don't like this anymore. And you start fumbling around in the dark and you know where the elevator is. You start going to this elevator and then you round this corner and there is this creepy, gigantic slug baby monster thing monster that has this gigantic mouth. And this thing just talks like a baby and it is just (laughs) giggling and and dude, you just run. And I just remember I got chill bumps on my arms and I was like, dude, this sucks, man. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Dude, when you finally power up that elevator and then you're trying to get to it, the the monster's there and you got to kite it away and, you know, make it run around a table and then you go back. I was mashing that button to get onto the elevator like it was like a Mario Party (laughs) minigame. I was just mashing it and couldn't wait to get out of that house. It's true. So kudos to them. They did a phenomenal job. There is not many moments in a video game that freak me out like that one freaked me out, man. Yeah, like there, I, I think we both enjoyed playing Resident Evil. I mean, we're going to get more into our, you know, overall thoughts a little bit later. But to me, th- that manor in particular was really the standout moment. I always assumed it would be more about Lady Dimitrescu, but really it was more that manor that will stick with me as being the, the creepiest and the most interesting. Uh, but that being said, you know, you did touch on something that I just wanted to maybe expound on a little further. Each of the four lords 
in those areas really are radically different. They have different monsters. So even though overall you're fighting zombie-like creatures, they are different, and they each have their own mysteries. So when you're learning about you know, the Dimitrescu family and you're learning about the daughters, you're reading these journal entries about, you know, why do they seem to be like vampires? Why is she so tall? Why is it that they can turn into flies and then like, you know, swarm around the house? Why is it that they freak out if you smash windows? By the way, I don't know about you, Josh. I vandalized the crap out of that house. (laughs) I smashed every window. I smashed every dish. I And I was so worried that, you know, and I'm not going to say whether or not this is the case, but the whole time I was like, this game is going to turn me into one of these freaking creatures, and I've already smashed all these windows, and it's going to make me weak in, in the second half of this game. And I was so worried, because I left nothing to chance. I smashed everything that I could with my knife. I mean, let's be honest, they deserve it, right? You know, if I'm going to Castle Demetrask, you're getting stuff smashed, because you you don't deserve nice things. You know, if you're no. if you're a vampire lady like that, uh, yeah, <laughs> the property damage was real. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure she's got insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I would actually say that this middle part of the game was probably my favorite. You know, not to downplay the second half of the game, but I thought that discovering the stories and the mysteries of these four lords was done really well because you you hear about them, you see a little bit. But then you get to experience them more fully. And I thought that was really neat. I thought that was done rather well. I'm with you 100%. Castle Demetrest, to me, because it's the opening area of the game, I felt like that was almost like the, not the tutorial, but it was the intro, like the prologue almost, right? Like the tone setting. Yeah, like because mm-hmm. the game, in my opinion, really takes off once you get out of the castle, right? Like that's when, you know, you start finding more puzzle stuff. You start finding more equipment. You start finding more journals and notes that are actually explaining what the heck is going on. And like you said, you know, you get these little snippets of insight into why these lords are the way that they are and who they are and what's going on in this village and why is everything so freaky and what happened to all the people and that it really takes off after that initial part of the game. And so I'm with you 100%, dude. I thought the middle part of the game was hands down like the best part. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, well, let's take a moment here to hear from one of our sponsors. This episode of the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast is brought to you by the Blizzard Gear Store by Fanatics. If you're a long-term listener of the show, you know how much we love Blizzard games here. We even have Overwatch as our number one game on our leaderboard. And I've got great news for you guys out there. You can actually help support our show by purchasing Blizzard gear through MultiplayerPodcast.com forward slash Blizzard store. There is clothing for men, women, and children. There's collectibles, toys, so much stuff to browse through and look at. I was taking a look and saw you can order a replica of Genji's sword that you can hang on your wall. There's Lego sets, Diva onesies. What more could you guys want? So please check it out at MultiplayerPodcast.com forward slash Blizzard Store. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. So Josh, let's talk a little bit about the weapons and the combat. What do you think about the action part of this game? I have mixed feelings, to be honest. Um, it's fine. 
you know, like it's fine. <laughs> it's like, it's not great. Um, for a game that they tried to lean on the action side of things, I felt like it was a little lackluster in that regard. And I get that it's also a survival game. So like you had touched on earlier, you know, ammo is very limited. You can't just Rambo your way through everything. But at the same time, you really don't have a lot of choice other than to kill everything that comes at you. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, what's the Resident Evil three or four where there's the big hulking brute guy. You can't kill him and you just have to run from him like every time you see him. Right. Like, I, I can't remember which one it is, but it's not like that. Like, you know, you're fighting almost constantly and it got to the point where while it was fine and I didn't detract from the game. I also felt like it didn't really add a whole lot to the game. The gunplay is not like super impactful. You know, I, I it's one of those things where you can get a lot of different weapons, but no weapon really stood out as my favorite. The, it just, none of them felt super impactful, like the pistol, right? It takes eight bullets to kill a lichen. You know, and it's like if <laughs> yeah. you headshot them, they don't really act like they got headshot. I mean, maybe they do, but then they fall down, but then they kind of twitch and then they get back up. Right. And it's like, I, it's like, it's fine. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, it's very similar to seven, very similar to four. It's not an action game, but there's action along the way. It's not purely survival. And so I think they tried to just toe the line between both. I did think that discovering new weapons was fun because like every Resident Evil game, you start out with your pistol. It's pretty weak. You end up finding your shotgun and you get a later a sniper rifle and a magnum and you get some other stuff. There's also some crafting so you can make pipe bombs. You can lay down proximity mines. And so there is that element as you loot and find things, you know, like scrap pieces of metal or gunpowder or chem fluid you can combine these things to make different items to make your game easier. And I don't know about you, Josh, but I always just rolled with the handgun just to conserve all my ammo. And then I remember at one point I had something like 68 sniper bullets. And I said, screw it. I'm sniping everything in this factory. And so when I did Heisenberg's factory, I ran through the whole thing sniping everyone. And that was actually pretty fun. I loved sniping in the game. I it must be the part of the game because I was not sniping very much at all. And I'm with you. I mostly used the handgun because I had upgraded it a good bit and the shotgun when I needed to, like, because you, there's just not a ton of ammo for the shotgun either. But at one part I was very low on ammo on both the handgun and the shotgun. And then like you, I was like, dude, I have like 50 bullets for this sniper rifle. I better <laughs> yeah, start using out. them. And yeah, so I'm sniping guys at like point blank range just to try to conserve ammo <laughs> no scoping. from my other stuff. <laughs> so that's funny. So it makes me feel better that that wasn't just me. Um, but I, I mean, I don't want to like make it sound like combat is bad because it's definitely not bad at all. It just didn't really stand out as like a highlight of the game for me. I do love the fact that you get to progress and you do unlock new weapons and that you can upgrade these weapons, right? Like for me, that was a lot of fun because it's like, Oh, I can finally afford this extended mag for the pistol, or you find a shotgun variant that is a lot better or different or something like that. And so, you know, you can play the, the 
like play style, I guess, that you want to play. And there are explosives in the game, which I found to be a lot of fun. And that was kind of cool to be able to like try to tinker with those in certain situations and stuff like that. So I don't mean to make it sound like it's bad because it's not bad at all. It just wasn't super impactful or memorable to me. Right. Like if you're playing a shooter, the focus is on all the shooting mechanics. In this game, the goal is survival horror. So it's more rounding a corner and then you get freaked out by seeing this guy in a in a little butcher wood shop. I don't know if you fought that mini boss. Like that that's that's like the whole lead up though. Like as soon as you start looting mine, mine, explosive round, yeah. mine, it's like, okay, I know what's inside this building. All right, I got the hint, Capcom. And then you round the corner, and then you're in these tight quarters trying to run and then shoot and run, reload, shoot, kite around the table. You know, so the focus is more on survival. However, your guy is relatively slow, even while sprinting. Oh. It's a lot of ring around the rosy. Oh, he's not slow, Paul. He is molasses, man. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my complaints that we can get into in a little bit. But oh, my goodness, man. Yeah. When you give me a sprint button, but I don't feel like I'm sprinting, we got issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just a couple last things, and then we'll uh, move on to our normal segments here. But this game has cooking did not see that coming, Josh. I worked hard for that cooking. You'd be proud of me, Paul. I, I, honestly, I was thinking about you pigs. when I'm hunting down fish and poultry and that perfect, uh, you know, I forget what the term for it is, but the, you know, the high end uh, meat. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and I got it, man. I, I did my part. I got the, you know, the, the Duke cooked me a few good meals. Um, and it was great. I didn't know you just had to saute some chicken and pig and it's going to give you a bonus to health for the rest of the game. Who, who knew yeah. that's how food works, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, the, the cooking is here in this game. I thought it was kind of funny. It's not really fully blown out, but it's another thing to collect. I'm not going to complain about it. You know, this game has a ton of stuff that you can do on the side. There are these little, uh, wooden goats that you read that they bring protection from Lady Miranda or Mother Miranda. And she is going to be wrathful if you destroy them. Oh, so, of course, I, broke I start every single one all of them. them goats, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> so there's collectibles like that. You have the cooking. You've got where you can find little marbles and you put them into these little labyrinths. And if you complete them, you get a treasure that you can sell and get more money. So there's a lot to do in the game. It's not just run and gun. Uh, the game's also littered with hidden gems. So just like the old Resident Evil games, if you ever see a little glimmer on the ceiling or a wall, you can shoot it. Maybe yellow quartz drops or something like that. And if you want to try to find all those, you could spend 100 hours on one playthrough if you really wanted to, to try to hunt down every single hidden thing. Um, but to kind of you know close out this segment here, Josh, was there anything in particular that stands out, whether positive or negative to you? I mean... Yeah, I mean, both, to be honest. You know, I, I mean, I, I've got, I think this game did some things amazingly well. Um, I kind of already mentioned the graphics. I think it did a phenomenal job in the atmosphere. You know, I, I kind of talk about the gunplay being a little lackluster, but on the flip side, the reason you need to use your guns is phenomenal. Like they throw situations at you and events at you that are great. 
you know, it's they're either they're freaky or you're like, oh my goodness, I you know, I, where did this guy come from? Like you had hinted, there's bosses and gigantic, crazy, optional psychopath guys that you might come across out in the middle of the woods in a barn somewhere, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think they do a very good job of having those little side. I don't want to call them missions, but like you said, just things to discover that if you're willing mm-hmm. to take your time and not just go from point A to point B as fast as you can, it really rewards you with a little bit of that exploration and, hey, why don't you just you know try some different things for a little bit? So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, the, you know, I didn't, I, you hint, I, I hinted at it, but man, you just move so slow in this game. Like, I want to be able to run. You know, and I get that maybe it's in maybe it's by conscious choice that they want to kind of slow things down so you can't just blitz through certain things or pass right. certain monsters or something like that. So I get it from an artistic standpoint. You got to feel the dread as you, you walk know, right, into yeah, each area. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe, but at the same time, I feel dread when I can't move very fast in a game where I have to cover <laughs> a lot of ground. That's the wrong kind of dread. <laughs> yeah, that fills me with dread too. I guess I hadn't thought about that. There's no fast travel. I mean, this game is not large. This is not like The Witcher. I mean, my goodness, you know, it's a relatively small map. But the game is relatively open world. You retread a lot of the same areas. One thing that I did kind of want to poke fun at is every single door in this game is locked on the other side. Oh, my goodness. You will see that message 400 times. And every time you finish a certain level, you unlock doors. And now you have the shortcuts. But you do have to run back and forth a lot. The, the map is areas. also terrible. I no lie. <laughs> Who designed this village? Dude, no lie. This village is so confusing. There's one point in this game. I don't know. Do you remember the house with the violin on the door? It's like uh, the it's like the anyway, you you it's you have to like you eventually have to get into this house and you find a way to do that. I spent legitimately 30 minutes wandering around the village trying to find that particular house because I could not remember where it was. Oh. And, I mean, your guy moves slow. So, I walked all the way over to this side of the village. Nope, house isn't over here. Let me turn around (laughs) and walk all the way back over to this side of the village. Nope, house isn't over here. Yeah, And then I'm like, I'm looking on the map in the game, but it doesn't, nothing is marked. It's just right. outlines of houses. And I'm like, I don't know what shape this house is, man. <laughs> like, I can't, Where is the house? And I got super frustrated because I couldn't find this stupid house. And it was like the next place I had to go. And I was like, this is dumb. Like, I want to be able to sprint around and just find this house. And I couldn't. So, you know, yes, you'll see what one huge complaint is when we get into the reviews on the game. There is an overarching complaint about this game. It didn't bother me necessarily, um, but a lot of people complained about the field of view. Oh, okay. You know, um, because I guess the field of view is like an 80, which is really, really like low. Um, and I think that also lends itself to feeling like you're walking very, very slow. And I guess what a very narrow field of view does is it can make people dizzy. Um, I guess if you have a wider field of view, you it just doesn't affect you. Now, I don't get dizzy playing video games, um, but it's a huge complaint about the game that they did not allow any like field of view changes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard about that. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't experience anything negative with the field of view. It didn't make me dizzy or anything like that. 
but yeah, it's definitely slow moving. Maybe that, you know, 120 Maybe, range of view yeah. where you feel like you're running at an incredible yeah. rate of speed would have helped. So what about you? What stood out for you as good and bad? You know, I don't think it's good or bad, but playing this game definitely requires a pretty healthy amount of suspense of disbelief. I mean, this is just a game you have to accept the fact that there are going to be magical elements because it's Resident Evil. You know, this is a game where you can have sickles oh. thrown through your hands <laughs> And into your legs, through your calves, you're going to take an axe to the chest multiple times in this game. And all you got to do is sprinkle some herbs mixed with chem fluid and you're just going to immediately be better. So that's not like good or bad. That's just the nature of the game. And you just kind of have to accept that. You know, I found myself asking a lot of questions during the game that are just parts of your brain you have to turn off. But what's funny is... Resident Evil actually does answer a lot of those questions because they hit you with 20 minutes of exposition at the very end of this game that actually do answer a lot of questions. It's kind of like, you know, why is this old hag just walking around and no one cares? Like, why does the Duke want to buy the remains of some dude I killed in the village? Like, what's he going to do with this? Why aren't the enemies attacking the Duke because he's upgrading my weapons? Wait, do you, you know? find out why they don't bother the Duke? No, you don't find that part. Oh, okay. Out, I was going to say I missed a big part of that because I was wondering that myself. <laughs> no, that that's one example you're not going to find oh, okay. out unless I missed it. Maybe maybe there are some hidden journals that I missed. But it's kind of like, you know when you watch a movie and you say, "Wow, if these two people would have just talked, none yes. of this would have happened." Yeah. There's definitely some elements of that in this game and the game even ends up addressing it saying, well, we could have just done this, but here's why we didn't do it. And I didn't find those answers to be terribly satisfying, but I, I did appreciate the fact that they at least addressed it. So you just have to understand, you know, I mean, you're you're dealing with mutated creatures that are fantastical beings. You know, there's going to be some magic. Not all of it is going to make a whole lot of logical sense. I would say the game is played for atmosphere first and foremost, and I thought they knocked it out of the water. I, I thought this game brought so many oh crap moments that are going to stick with me. And I think that's really what they were going for. And I thought they did great with it. All right. So one other thing to keep in mind also is that this game is including a multiplayer mode called reverse. However, it got delayed. So it's not out yet. It will be coming this summer. Josh, can you picture yourself playing this game multiplayer? No. No, I don't. I, I really can't even imagine. The is not that good, and every multiplayer game is going to just have like a deathmatch mode or something. I, I don't know what else they could do, unless you're yeah. going to let me be like Lady Demetrask, and then I get to fight like five other people. Like, that oh, would be like cool. like an asymmetrical You know, thing. like, that would be a cool game, but I have a feeling this is just going to be a deathmatch a hide and seek, you know, or something. I, I don't know what they're going to do with it. And honestly, I don't really care because <laughs> I don't <laughs> see myself playing it. All right. Well, I think that's all we're going to have by way of our opinions. Oh, I, I will mention one last thing. So as far as longevity of this game, you can actually beat it relatively quickly. I think somewhere in that eight to 15 hour range, most people are going to finish it. But when you do beat the game, you then are given access to New Game Plus. And what happens is you get to keep all your weapons. It just resets all the keys. And so you can ramp up the difficulty 
but it'll be a little bit easier because you get to bring your gear and you get to complete challenges, which give you a new type of currency called CP. And you can use that to unlock new bonuses, new weapons, uh, unlimited ammo cheats and things of that nature. So you're, you can actually be rewarded quite well on repeat playing the game over and over. There's actually a counter where it keeps track of how many times you've beaten the game. And I thought that that was rather clever. So if you drop 60 bucks on this game, it's not just going to be 10 hours. If you want to, you can actually squeeze quite a bit more content out of it. Yeah. Yeah, they do a that lot That being to said, I'm not going to play it again. No, I won't either. And I clocked I, my playtime. I was right at like that eight hour and I think like 50 minutes. And that was with me doing some of the side content. Like, I did not just blow through the story without doing anything. Like I said, I, I hunted down some animals to make these dishes. I did some of, like, the side objectives and stuff like that. And I still clocked in at just under nine hours. So it is a short game. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a great ride for those short hours. But, yeah, this is not a game that you know, lends itself to longevity unless you're the kind of person that likes like new game plus and a hundred percent completion and stuff like that. In which case you'll probably get a lot more time out of it for your money. Just not us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially since we've got more games to cover right. for the podcast. All right. So Josh, how about you hit us with some of those community reviews? All right. So, um, I pulled some reviews on steam. Um, and I'll start off with a negative one. Uh, this person, this is not recommended, and they said, it's a good game so far. Like many have said, a mix between 7 and 4. They mean Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 4. But holy moly, is the character movement bad. Making Ethan turn is like navigating a Bering Sea fishing vessel in 200-foot waves while whilst <laughs> having no engine to rely on, which is a huge shame because it could have left a great impression on me so far. And this is an over arcing theme with a lot of the negative reviews is just he he doesn't run fast he doesn't turn quickly i guess on controller like he turns really slow i was gonna say that sounds to me like a controller issue because at least on mouse i did not have an issue with turning he does walk and run slow yeah but i thought the turning was fine yeah there was actually a lot of those um and so that was one of the overarching complaints this is another uh negative review uh this person actually refunded the product which steam tells you now (laughs) and they say no field of view slider in 2021 guys we're colonizing mars yet simple essential (laughs) features are not available even though hundreds of reviews complained about that on the demo page Enemies are bullet sponges. They barely flinch when you hit them in the head with a 9mm. The world building is gorgeous, but that's it. Easily refunded. So- okay, you know what? This is, in my opinion, if if your biggest complaint is the field of view, right? I don't know. That's not the worst problem, right, yes. honestly. I mean, it's one of those things where, I don't know, maybe if you are one of those people that gets nauseous with a really small field of view, like I, I, I would not yeah. want to be nauseous playing a video game. I, I can't play certain VR games because of that. So I get it. But I also get if that's your only complaint about this game, then that kind of says more for the game than it does against the game. Yeah. You know? um, all right. So, and then our first uh, recommended review uh says big lady equals life good dollhouse <laughs> equals life no good <laughs> no good <laughs> that one i love that's funny because people now get that um it's just you know 
<laughs> that dollhouse sucks, man. Oh. oh, I'm sure. As soon as you and I, 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 we did not talk hardly at all about this game, but we both said, we got to talk about the dollhouse, right? Yes. <laughs> that oh, was man. the one thing we both said. Yeah. All right. Next recommended review. I rate this game three out of five fingers. I would have given it a five. <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but two of my fingers got bitten off by a lichen. So, so, I mean, this I, like this is not a spoiler because it happens in like the first five minutes of the game. But right in the beginning of the game, you get two of your fingers bitten off, and it's yeah. like, why can't you just pour the the? <laughs> healing potion <laughs> i wasn't gonna say it because i didn't know if that would be a spoiler but a hundred percent because without going into details things happen later in the game that are way worse than losing that are two way fingers. worse <laughs> and you just snap your fingers and you're healed oh man so, yeah that's uh, you know yeah he i don't know that <laughs> ethan had to be stuck with eight fingers the rest of this game but it's resident evil 8 it's, maybe that's maybe, what, maybe, maybe, maybe they wanted. I never even yeah. thought about that, man. Maybe you touched on it right there. <laughs> um, okay, so that was a positive review. Um, I'll do another. Th- this one kind of made me chuckle. This is a not recommended. And all they say is, why can't I use a knife as a screwdriver or lockpick? That's a good question. Now, you will come across <laughs> yeah. things that are locked in this game, and you can't unlock them unless you find lockpicks, which are super rare. Like, you don't get many lockpicks in this game. And if you're like me, I want to know what's in that stinking drawer, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, why is it locked? There's got to be gold in there or something. And so when I finally find a lockpick, I will travel miles across the village to open that stupid drawer to find out (laughs) that it's just bullets, man. (laughs) Bullets or just something you sell for 2,000 to the dupe. But you have a knife. I have this big knife. Why can't I use that to just pry open the lock? I don't get it. So this review made me chuckle because I feel this guy's pain. I don't know why you can't use your knife as a screwdriver or a lockpick. I, I don't know. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah. And then um, one more. This is recommended. And this guy just says, I can confirm that the residents are very much evil. <laughs> I can so, confirm that. In this well. village, yes, they are. Yeah. How funny. All right, Paul. So that is some of the reviews. Um, and then as we do on these episodes, we are going to guess what we think the overall score is um, to kind of give an idea of what we think people think of the game. Um, I did write down my answer. So do you want me to go first or you want to go first? I guess I normally go first. So why don't you go for okay. it, Josh? I I'm going to say I think it's a 93%. I've been doing really bad Ooh, at these, to be honest with high. you. I've been low on a lot of them, so I might be overcompensating here. But I think that there is a lot to like about this game. I think that the complaints that people have about it are minimal. Um, and so I feel like this game's going to be pretty well received by people. And so I said 93%. Okay. I feel like Resident Evil always does well with the number of sales, but I feel like there's always a narrative of something that people don't like. You know, Resident Evil 4 was just such a classic. I feel like everything that came after that, there's always going to be some hate. I think it'll be high. I, I'm i not going in the 90s. That that seems a little too high to me. So I'm going to I'm gonna say 85%. Ooh. I think it'll be like a healthy 
B. Ooh. 85% of the reviews on Steam, I think, are positive. All right. Um, I completely forgot to check the actual score. So while you were talking, oh. I, uh, I <laughs> scrambled and I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> so that just shows you I didn't cheat either. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is it? It is 95%. It is Whoa. overwhelmingly positive on Steam. And that's out of almost 18,000 reviews. So dang. Yeah. It, it's I a, wonder if that'll come down a little because you might get that early bump from everyone who's such a resident evil fan. I wonder if that'll come down a bit because it just came out. Maybe. I mean, I guess if you're a fan of resident evil, you bought it, but then again, aren't those the fans that are hardest to please sometimes too? Yeah, that's true. You know? Um, good, so good point. Yeah. I, I mean, it's that, that tells you overwhelmingly positive. It's very well received. I actually had a hard time finding negative reviews because the only negative reviews touched on the field of view, which apparently that's a big sticking point with a lot of people. Um, and the fact of how slow Ethan runs through the game. <laughs> Can I bring up one last thing? Of course. That's super goofy. Not something that I would really count against the game. What on earth is up with the button layouts? Like, to exit this game, oh. you press and hold delete? Oh. Like, what on earth is going on with the buttons? On keyboard and mouse, at least, these buttons are bananas. You have to right-click to close screens of dialogue, and you're pressing, like, weird button combinations. I don't know what was, was up with that. I, the impression that I got, honestly, is this was made for console, and then somebody ported the controls, like, to PC as an afterthought. Who's never played a game? Yeah, because <laughs> I, who, nobody uses delete on a keyboard for anything, man. It's just, no. hey, let me, here's a tidbit. It's called escape. <laughs> yes, that's the name of the key for a reason. You know, it's to it's, exit. Right. I I legitimately like mashed my exit button like ten times until I realized in the bottom right corner it says delete to exit. So you had to press delete, and I think you had to press F to confirm. It was something like that. Yeah, and I was like, all right, whatever. Goofy. I don't yeah, know. It's a little man. goofy. If I have to read <laughs> to figure out how to exit a game, something is wrong. And you don't yeah. know mouse and keyboard very well. Oh man, that's too all right, funny. Josh. This is your first <gasps> win in a while. We're going to cue up that music and you're going to take us into the next segment. All right. Hey, Lady Demetresque. I'm sorry I said your name wrong for so many episodes until I learned how to say it. I hope you forgive me. (laughs) Please don't murder me. Yes, you do not pronounce the U. Apparently, it's a silent U. Who would have known? Who would have known? But if you want to hear me butcher this name, just go back a few episodes when we were talking about the upcoming release (laughs) of Resident Evil Village, and you can hear some of the goofy ways that I tried to say this poor lady's name. Dimitriscu. I think there were a few of those. (laughs) Well, what's funny is I actually watched a video on a Romanian vampire expert that was commenting on... Like they made her watch like the scenes from this game to see what her opinion was of how they portrayed this vampire lady. And I'm like, number one, <laughs> this ain't no this ain't like no vampire I've ever seen. So what do you think yeah. this poor lady's gonna say? But she was from Romania, and so she actually pronounced the U. Now she said oh, it with a heavy yeah, accent, yeah. but she would say, Oh yes, Lady Demetrescu. And she's like, That's a very <laughs> Romanian name. So you could say Demetrescu if you wanted to, but the U is not like a hard U either. So Ah, okay. There There you you go. go. There's your Romanian vampire uh, (laughs) lesson for the day, Paul. All right. So this this segment is one that we lovingly call Make Love, Marry, or Murder. This is kind of how we rate the game in our own uh, funny ways. And it basically just says, hey, 
if we think a game is merry, we think this game is phenomenal. We think it has long-term uh, viability as being a fun game to play for a really long time. If we say, hey, make love, we think it's fun for a little while, but it's probably not going to stick around, but it's fine. It's probably worth the money at that point. And if we say murder, maybe it's best that you just kind of stay away from it or wait till it's on sale and pick it up then. So, Paul? You want me to go first? You go first, buddy. What do you think? All right, so here's the thing. Normally, for me to rate a game Mary, I'm looking at playtime, and I want playtime to be very high. I think Resident Evil 8, despite being relatively short, I think it is good enough that you should buy it anyway. Even if you just go through the game once, and you never pick it back up, and you never check out the multiplayer mode coming later on... I still think it is well worth the price. I think anyone who's remotely interested in survival horror games should pick it up. I had a blast playing it. I really did. I loved it. This was not a chore playing it for the pod. So even though my playthrough was the same as yours, it was between eight and nine hours. Now, obviously, it's longer than that because you die and you lose progress. But I'm still going to rate it as a Mary. I thought it was very highly memorable. Well done. Warts and all. I'm still going to give it a Mary. Wow. Yeah, that's high praise, man. Especially like you said, Mary for us is usually like, hey, I'm going to be playing this game for like the next year or I'll keep diving back into it or something like that. Um, Oddly enough, I agree with you 100%. Really? I really do. I really wasn't so sure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I had, this was not a chore for me to play at all. I kept joking with my family that I had to go, you know, do work. And we had a short window (laughs) to play this game, and we wanted to make sure that we played it all the way through and beat it so that we could actually talk about it with some knowledge and, you know, experience. And I was joking around that I had to go, you know, do my work and play this game, but I was loving every minute of it, man. Like, is it perfect? No. Is it great? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's That's that's exactly it. Yes. It is a rock-solid game. It is an experience like you cannot get very much anymore. Um, you know, it's one of those the I, I thought that the story worked for what it was. I thought there were many moments of like, whoa, you know, this is either super freaky, like the stupid dollhouse, or wow, that was a cool like you know cutscene or um like set piece. You know what I mean? There was just many, many times in this game where I was kind of blown away by what was going on and the atmosphere that keep the tone through the whole game. There's this doom and gloom, you know, you're fighting against at all times. I really thought that this was just a grade, a well done game. And like you normally, I would never rate an eight to nine hour game as a Mary, but in this case, like this game begs to be played. If you're a fan of the series or a fan of the genre, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Now, 60 bucks is a lot of money, right? But let's yeah. just say they say like the average playtime is 10 hours. That's six bucks an hour. You spend a lot more than that nowadays for entertainment value. So I think it's well worth the money. And I'm with you, man. Even for a short game, I think it's a Mary. Yeah, it's best experienced if you can play it yourself. But if you don't have the money... You can watch all the cutscenes on YouTube. It's three and a half hours if you just want to experience it like an animated movie. I think even that would be great. I You can watch people play it on Twitch. My brother-in-law, Jason, and his girlfriend, Kemi, they just decided, let's just watch the whole game on live stream. 
and that's what they did. So they didn't buy it, but they, you know, I was able to talk to them and the dollhouse was the very first thing that popped oh, up and we were man. able to talk all about it. It, you know, creeped Jason out as much as it did us. So I think even if you experience it that way, even that's worth it if you don't want to pay at all. I mean, that being said, nothing can quite experience what it's like to control the character and have to run and hide under the bed from certain monsters. So, you know, buy it if you can, but if not, still check it out. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the leaderboard and see where this game stacks up. Is <laughs> it one or two, Paul? <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, leaderboard, we have historically reserved this for <laughs> multiplayer games. So, Josh, should we start a single player leaderboard? Because we've covered Cyberpunk, we've covered this. We will cover more single player games. Are we just going to leave it off? Like, wh- wh- how do we want to handle the leaderboard? I, I mean, we have had a lot of positive feedback and people that have said we really want you guys to start doing more single player games. And I don't have a problem with that. I mean, we are not exclusive multiplayer gamers by any means. Like, I know I love single player games. You love single player games. And there's just plenty of time where we can do that. I'm not opposed to starting a single player leaderboard. It's just, I think it's going to be much more like up to personal choice for people. You know what yeah. I mean? Because like multiplayer games, it's like, hey, they're fun for you and your friends and they jive well for everybody. Whereas single player games, it's like, how do you rank, you know, Resident Evil Village up against Mass Effect, you know, or something like that? You know, it's like sure. they're just completely different games. So you're going to have people that love one genre and people that hate another one. And then we're going to wind up getting emails from people that are going, you guys are crazy. If you put this game above that game and it's kind of like, dude, like that's kind of the fun of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, a little part of me even just says, just throw it on the main leaderboard. Oh like who goodness, cares? You There's man. already such different genres. We've got phasmophobia right, up what? against let's, hearthstone. Let's do it, Paul. Let's, All right, let's, let's just throw do it. it on the main leaderboard. Let's put it on there. I'll be now, very now, curious to see where this game fits. <laughs> and then there's going to be people that don't hear this episode that are going to be like, you guys are idiots, man. That's a single player game. Uh, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Now, now, Cyberpunk, we could not put on the board because you had limited hours and had not beaten it when we covered it on the show. You never finished that game. <laughs> Todd had like six hours or something into cyberpunk so i don't think we need to throw cyberpunk up here because uh that was such a long time ago and we weren't ready at the time it was such a big game but for resident evil what are you thinking looking on our leaderboard so our our leaderboard we currently have a total of 41 games i can't believe we're doing this paul (laughs) oh i love it i love it i always say the more vague the rules the better because i just want to be able to, to argue and discuss So we've got 41 games. We've got them in order of how we recommend them. We've got everything from It Takes Two to Escape from Tarkov to Sea of Thieves. How do I rank this? It's a Call of Duty Warzone. Yeah. So looking at our list, you know, just to hit a couple key points, we've got Overwatch at one, Rainbow Six Siege at 10, Far Cry 5 at 15. Are you thinking it's somewhere top 15 or below that? This is an impossible task man because i initially went oh yeah i'd put this right under like no man's sky but then i scroll down and i see divinity original sin 2 which for the most part is a single player game 
you know, and I would play Divinity over Village any day of the week, but it's also such a completely different game. And then Village is good, so then I feel guilty putting it way down in the 20s. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I think here's what we have to do. With the caveat that we're going to have to move Divinity Original Sin the next time we review the leaderboard. Okay. Similarly, RimWorld, we rated solely as a multiplayer That's experience, true. despite also being single player. So I think those two games are going to have to maybe be moved later. So kind of ignoring those two and ranking it, I when I look at the list, I think I would put it... Oh, man, this is very hard. I, I'm very <laughs> curious to see if we're even remotely close. I'd put it below Grand Theft Auto Online, which we have at 9, and then Rainbow Six Siege at 10. I would pop it right in between those. Wow. Kind of where, where were you thinking? I was thinking like right by Far Cry 5 or Raft. So 15 to 16. So 15, 16? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I initially when I, when I saw it, I instantly saw Destiny 2, and I went, well, I'd put it above Destiny 2. Uh-huh. So that was my first inclination, but then I saw like, man, No Man's Sky is such a good game. And then I saw Squadrons down there, like Deep Rock Galactic. So that that's when it started kind of dropping, but then I hit that wall of Divinity Original Sin 2 and I was like, yeah, no way. Um, I could <laughs> yeah. be persuaded in the Destiny 2 range. I'm not a huge fan of Destiny 2. Like I've caught a lot of flack for that, but I, I you know, yeah. Village is a well-done game. So if you wanted to, we could put it up there. Yeah, if you were initially a little lower, I'd say that might be a little high. Uh, I'd be fine with it, but maybe it's more appropriate to put it below Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, but right above Among Us. I think that's probably perfect. Among Us Do you think that's was fair? super fun when we were talking about it and reviewing it, but Among Us is... I think would be fun in certain situations. Like We're probably going to have an Among Us night for our Discord server. Yeah. You know, but Among Us is not my favorite game anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm fine putting this. Let's do that. Let's put it at 13. All right. You know, 13th we'll floor, 13, it's survival horror, <laughs> right? It's fitting. <laughs> it's it's very fitting. All right. So we'll lock oh it in goodness. there at number 13. If you want to check out our full leaderboard, it's at multiplayerpodcast.com. It's right on the main page. You can just scroll down and you can now see all 42 games that we have done deep dives on. And then uh, I think that's everything here for today. So if you guys wanted to know, our next deep dive game is going to be, I am 97% (laughs) sure it's going to be Hood, Outlaws, and Legends. It could still end up being Satisfactory. I think those are the next two. I'm just not sure of the order, but it's probably going to be Hood. Hood just dropped yesterday as of the time we recorded this. We both bought it. We have not played it very much, but we're going to jump into that more. And then we will be back with our This Week in Gaming episode on Thursday. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to go check out our Discord server. And uh, hey, if you want to support the show, we could definitely use the support. You can do that over at MultiplayerSquad.com. See ya. I, I gaze at you, Paul. <laughs> I don't know that I like that word. <laughs> I'll take stare over yeah, gaze. Is it really? I guess gazing's a little gaze, a little more gaze suggestive. Is a little huh? bit of a yeah. There's yeah. a little bit of an implication there. <laughs>